Mina. Quick question. How many times have you heard stories from product bosses that waited until the week before Black Friday to even think about their holiday promotion plans? More times than I can even count. Okay. Well, not this year. Successful product bosses know that the key to seeing a snowball of sales throughout the holidays is preparing their promotions now. And that's exactly what we're going to do together during our five-day challenge that kicks off September 12th. But have you ever wondered if a free training is really worth it? We're not judging here, I swear. We know it's so much information out there that it's hard to know what's actually going to move the needle in your business. But here's the thing. The Rocker Holidays Promotions Challenge is 100% worth your time and energy because it actually creates results in your business. And that's not us just with like humble bragging. It's true from our previous challenge participants who have shown up gone through the actions and have seen some big payoffs, literally like Ashley of Ever After Baby. Ashley said planning ahead for the holidays for Rock Your Holiday Promotions has helped change how she plans promotions all year long. Wow. And when she first joined the Rock Your Holidays Challenge, she felt like she never knew how to go about setting up her promotions for the holiday season. So she attended the challenge, went through each day's training and implemented the action steps. Not only did she get her promotions organized by the end of the challenge, she actually tripled her sales from the previous holiday season using what she learned inside the challenge. She then went on to join Multi-Stream Machine, got her bestsellers onto Amazon and grew her revenue even more while growing her Facebook following 10 times and her email list by four times. Amazing. Okay. So you must be thinking, what does this have to do with you, friend? Well, it's just a preview of what you can do in just five days when you participate in the Rock Your Holiday Promotions Challenge. Okay. So we start on Monday, September 12th. It is totally free and you can sign up at rockyourholidaypromotions.com or just click the link in the show notes and we'll see you inside. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping product-based business owners turn into revenue-generating, successful, happy product bosses. I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And I'm Mina Kunlositep. Together through digital courses, coaching, and masterminds, we've helped over 50,000 students from startup to multi-million dollar businesses scale their sales while blending in their dream life. It gets lonely out there in the product business world. We fully believe a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us. So let's get scrappy and creative together, Product Boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Happy P-Day to you. (laughs) Happy P-Day to you. I never thought I'd sing on... Line for lots you know of people. What is so funny. We really have become two become one because when I was talking about to our podcast team, our production team about doing happy P day, I was like, maybe I can get Jacqueline to sing. And they all laughed. Yeah. I mean, literally read your mind. So it's like two become one, our brains have become one. I pretty much like you know, subliminally inserted it into your brain and then you sang on air. I mean, if we're on our 400th episode, Mina, that means, (laughs) and if these were about mm, an hour of prep time and about an hour of podcasting, we've now spent 800 hours together talking to each other. I don't think that that's the math. I think it's actually even more than that. (laughs) 
100 million hours together. So happy P day, my friend. Yes. Happy P day. And not only is it our 400th episode, which is an astonishing accomplishment. So pat each other on the back, right? Big pat and hugs all around. Um, it's also a three millionth download. And it could not have been more serendipitous that that happened at the same time. I mean, I think baby Jacqueline and Mina back in the day when we found each other as biz besties, we were like, maybe we should start a podcast because there's no podcasts out there for product biz owners. And like, did we ever think, I mean, I doubt we ever thought we'd make it to 400 episodes to a week. We wouldn't, you know, I guess I thought that we would forever. It's just that I never thought they'd be an hour a piece. <laughs> you know, is like that like 400, 400 10 minute episodes is, is different than 400 hour plus long episodes and, you know, all those. So our listeners are either agreeing with us or saying, no, no, keep them coming. Um, <laughs> but 3 million people also, I mean, that is just out of my realm from when you and I met. In that, mm-hmm. you know, small kind of conference room during the LA Textile Show. And we had like, what, 50 people in the oh room? Oh my God, tell the story that you just told me that I could not believe about our wealth manager listening to us. <laughs> we have a wealth manager. Shout out, who, Peter. Hello, if you're listening. <laughs> who we're very grateful works with us because the types of clients he takes on are way bigger than us, but we're very grateful he works with us and believes in us. But I just got off a call with him this morning and he's like, hey... So I think you all might need to start giving advice to my clients about inflation and recession proofing because that one episode that you talked about, I was like, you listen to our podcast? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was so sweet. Plus, I don't know. I never thought that, first of all, 3 million downloads and having you know, just our people that we work with actually listening, not work with directly, like obviously they're forced to if they work for us. <laughs> But outside of our realm, that's like through connection, you know, so he doesn't have to listen, but I thought it was really sweet that he did. So thank you for helping us make that, you know, 300, no, what are we on for? 3 millionth download, too many numbers in my head. Yeah. So 3 million downloads, 400 episodes. So we know Peter didn't listen to them all himself. So actually what we really want to do is thank all of you, our listeners out there that have been, some of you have been with us since the beginning and we so appreciate it. And some of you are brand new and we appreciate you being here too. And that you found your way here. We can't wait to continue to give you another 400 episodes um, in the future to help continue to support you and your business growth and what you're doing. And we're just so grateful that you show up and that you support the podcast and that we're able to support you as well. Yeah, we're so happy. And you'll see over on Instagram at The Product Boss that we're doing a celebration over there. So make sure you're following us over there too. And thank you so much. We would not have continued on without the support of all of you giving us reviews, also listening in, subscribing, really taking the time to listen because um, there's been ups and downs with trying to get all these 400 episodes out there to all of you. And we really appreciate you sticking with all of us. And did you notice? Did you notice the new podcast intro today, right? Yeah. New music, new intro. It is reboot, reboot, rehaul, overhaul. I don't know. It's taken us a while to get here. But so we're, we are so excited to bring today's episode to you about if we had to start over as product bosses. And, you know, one thing, and like Mina said, the thing that keeps us going, the thing that, you know, has gotten us to 400 episodes and truly the impact that we've had on other small business owners is you. 
So when you subscribe to the podcast, when you leave reviews for the podcast, when you share the podcast with people that you know that can get influenced by, you know, they're looking for that support. They're looking for community. They want to know that they can build their dream business from their own homes. It's because of you that we spread the word and that it impacts so many more people. So you're subscribing to the podcast, the reviews you leave and the shares are we so greatly like appreciate them and appreciate you, but also know that that then trickles down and lets, you know, the podcast networks of the world know, Hey, we should show this to more people. And it brings in other people to the community. So we're just so appreciative of the impact you are all having as well. Yep. We're doing it together. Together. Um, this is a fun topic here of what would you do if you were to start over, right? Like if baby product bosses and you know what, I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know how I got through it that first time, you know, thinking back, you know how, like when you're a young, young mom and our kids were really young at that time and having to, you know, juggle and blend and balance all the things. I don't know if I could go back and do it, but I'm glad this is just like a thought process versus an actual time warp, you know? (laughs) I think you're a little tired right now. I think that you could build anything out of anything. So I think you could do it, but, um, you know, maybe not with having two businesses at a time. So yeah, I think, you know, if we had to start over as product bosses, so I, if you all know, and I'll just give you a really quick history into me because I no longer have a product-based business, but I started as a fashion designer, worked for big companies as a fashion designer, started my own company at 26 as a consulting company called Designer Consulting Co-op, helping people start up fashion brands, so fashion apparel and accessory brands. We would design for them, develop all of their you know development. We'd come up with the names of their businesses, um, do uh, patterns and samples, and eventually production. We helped them with sales. We literally did everything. So I like to say I started 999 more clothing lines than a lot of people. Um, but during that time when I was, and I have been, I still have my company is consulting other people. I thought, you know, I've got ideas too. And I actually started two businesses when I started, um, in tandem with my consulting business, I started Lily Mark, which was a, um, sustainable dress collection for women. And it was 50% dead stock, like, uh, you know, materials that I didn't have to produce that they were just sitting somewhere and I used them. So that was the eco-friendly part and 50% new materials that I would order. They'd go into production against. I sold to boutiques. It was, it was more of a passion project. I'd find things at flea markets and convert them. Loved it. And it was named after my grandparents, Lillian for my grandma, Lily. And then Mark was my grandpa. So that business, as much as I got into retail shops, I'll just tell you really quickly, I was approached by a lawyer that said two businesses were fighting over the name Lily. And they asked that they could buy the trademark from me. So I actually made more money selling the trademark to another company and selling off the business than I did selling, like making the product. But it was a passion nice. product. That was actually a, a strategy of making money back in the day too. People would buy domains. I don't know if they still do it, but that was... I would. I, I used yeah. to call myself the like, it was like monopoly of online, uh, like on owning yeah, <laughs> yeah. websites. That's cool. Anytime I came up with a cool idea, I'd buy it, but nobody has ever bought one off me. So, um, so anyways, and then, well, Lily Mark actually, then I started Cuffs Couture. So Cuffs Couture was me really meeting a need for myself where I was young and I was going to clubs and I didn't want to bring a purse. I always hated like raising my hands and dancing in the club. I didn't have enough money for like- You mean raising the roof? Raising raising the roof. (laughs) (laughs) And going low, 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 low. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I was with my personal in your apple bottom jeans. My apple bottom jeans. You got me singing a lot today. In the purse. 
<laughs> Welcome to the club, everybody. Yeah. Um, so I, we never, we didn't have money to pay for like table service and have like the table where we could drop our bags. We had to wear our own bags. So um, I really hated it. And and again, in the time of like the skirts, I mean, let's think like late nineties, early two thousands, I did not want to carry a purse. So I created Cuffs Couture, which was a wearable wrist wallet. So it was not a thing that, um, was like the athletic wrist wallets that were out there. You know, people had them for working out and running, but this was decorated. They look like bracelets. They look like an accessory. They were fun and you could wear it, you know, when you were going out. So I'd wear it when I was walking my dog. I'd wear it to go get brunch because I'd walked a lot in LA. Like dress up, dress down style. Dress up, dress down and like pretty. And actually the ones that did really well looked like big gold bangles kind of. So that was my company. Um, And then eventually when I had two kids... Two businesses. Seasons right, changing. Seasons change. When I met Mina, this is actually how we met each other, was when I decided to shut that business down because phone sizes were changing. And the biggest obstacle was people kept saying, where does my phone fit? And I had to make a decision at that point. Did I want to keep going with my product business or was I going to you know, keep going with designer consulting co-op? And I chose to let go of the product business. After selling in 60 different countries, I was in hundreds of stores. I had big orders from like stores like Everything But Water. Carrie Underwood, Kim Kardashian, um, Carly Rae Jepsen. They all wore my cuffs. I was on music videos. I mean, some incredible stuff happened. And then when seasons changed, for me, the choice was that I would close that business. Mm-hmm. So how about you? Well, I feel like I've always been on a road, like a roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, but I'll start with, with being, um, with starting uh, little labels. So um, my background is it, as a, a corporate graphic designer is how I like to say, but it was print collateral that I would do for large businesses. So for all of you, um, that print collateral means like annual reports, brochures, direct mail, that sort of thing. That's the world that I came up in. So when I started low labels, I really started, um, on Amazon doing private label. That means when you import goods from China, India, wherever it is, and you put a brand on it. So I had the skill set of a graphic designer. So I would import at that time. It was like, um, what, what was it? Like chill sticks was one of my brands, which was like a water, uh, a wine chill stick that you insert into wine bottles. Another one was like binky holders, which, you know, they're just I would design those. And another thing was on chalk markers. I was actually one of the first chalk markers, honestly, that was quite lucrative until it became super saturated. But the whole, I wanted to bring that up is because I learned, I learned the skill set of selling on Amazon. So when I came out with my own product, which I forever wanted to do, it was a problem to my solution of labeling my baby bottles for my second daughter that was in my stomach at the time, in my stomach, uterus, wherever she is at that time, in my body, a Bruin. And so I thought, how can I label these baby bottles? And I realized that my daughter, my other daughter, who's five years older, they had never solved the problem the way that I had wanted to do it. So I thought, you know what? I'm a great graphic designer. I know how to sell on Amazon. I have been looking, you know, searching the, searching my brain for a, um, a product idea. I'm going to try to figure out these labels. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be with waterproof adhesive, <laughs> making things happen, things that, you know, machinery of getting this done, uh, commercial cutting, all the different things that I ended up doing. I did it though, because I had the deadline of my second baby being born. So I did it. I figured it out. I got it onto Amazon. I already had built up that skill set of how do, how do things sell on Amazon. So I've been selling on Amazon since 2013. And I really hit the ground running because I knew how to do things on there. 
got a whole bunch of reviews, did things like that and hit it out of the park basically. And then coincidentally, it happened to be the first prime day. So Jeff Bezos rained down his magic on me and my business. It ended up being very serendipitous during that time too. And it really took off because that was in July of 2015. And then, um, school back to school season kicked up in in August. So my business really like lit up during that time. And I had, you know, so much momentum in my business from the get go. So that was really beneficial for me. And, um, and then, you know, I had my, at that time I had like a four month old and a second kid, and it's definitely been a journey. So thinking back to that time, I remember being very difficult and hard, but what would I do to start over? There's lots of different lessons that we're going to pull out from today. So that's kind of my story. So I think I want to talk about, and we want to talk about what would we have done the same and what would we have done differently um, when starting, right? Like if we had to start over, like, what would we say? Like, yeah, like that was right. I felt, well, actually I want to back up for a second and say, if we had to start over, I would do it all the exact same because it led me to where I am today. So I just want to say that. This is such a hard question because I wouldn't change anything. I usually, you know, like, I feel like even the hard things you go through, it's worth it because you're meant to be in the place that you are. So it's hard to think like, if I were to start over, what would I change? Well, I'd be probably a different person. Maybe I wouldn't even have my kids. Like, it just scares me a little bit. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I will say that all the things we did, whether we made mistakes or the things that we did right, led us to each other for sure. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of brought me to you for Amazon. And then also um, those mistakes or learning lessons and all the things we did brought us to being the product boss and the information we give out. I think all of that is from what we've learned, you know? But I think maybe if we approach this, like if we were coaching baby Jacqueline and baby Mina, mm. maybe that's something that we we could look okay. at and say, you know, maybe you could have tried this or maybe we would have done that. Not saying that we would. So we fully believe that all of you in your journeys, you're exactly where you're meant to be. Yeah. But we can pivot. We can change as we go. I think I will say... One of the things I would do over and over and over is constantly be willing to adapt and change. Like knowing that I'm like, I mean, that is what you did do. That's what led you here, you know? Totally. So that's nothing. So road bumps, hiccups, people, you know, I had had issues with like the main person who ran my business quitting or she got, actually, she did so well at my company that she actually got scouted. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but losing her at that time, it felt devastating, but again, Mm -hmm it led me to all the places that I am now. So I think when you 20, you know, hindsight 2020, we can look back and be like, it was all meant to be when we were in it. There were probably things we could have adjusted. Yeah. So one of my big mistakes early on that I can say was a mistake, but maybe it, it I, I can go back to it being devastating was the first run. My first production run was the wrong adhesive. And <laughs> I ended up spending so much time and money on getting everything pulled from Amazon, throwing away that inventory, and then and and me discovering it later on, like uh, it, the, my reviews were still there. It was just people who knew me personally. I had uh, built up like a network of scrapbooking people that had come to my scrapbooking events even before that that they would tell me because they felt very um, bonded to me, and so. It wasn't that I got bad reviews that I found out. It was from personal people that reviewed my product. And I thought, this is weird that this is happening. Why is the adhesive not sticking? And I realized when I went back to the purchase order, I had approved the wrong 
adhesive. And so it was devastating to me at that time, even before I even started, I had to make the choice of, do I want to have that removed and disposed of, which was money. Amazon does not do anything for free. And then do I want to invest in more production or do I just want to quit before I get started? Because this seems really hard and maybe it wasn't meant to be because I didn't even approve the right thing, right? All those scenarios go through your head. And I am really glad that I decided to obviously go into production. I didn't know Prime Day was coming up and then I was able to gain that momentum back very quickly, but I didn't let that uh, mistake stop me. I remember I was like, okay, I can sit here and wallow or I can take really quick action. And if I had allowed myself to sit there and wallow, I would not have made my inventory back in time for it to be somehow in time for Prime Day. You know, so that really worked out. Now, I will say one thing I learned that I wish I would have done is that I wish I would have had that inventory sent back to me, repackaged it and sold it as like temporary adhesive or something like that, you know, versus I was just like, I made a mistake. It's all gone to, you know, bleep. And um, I'm just going to throw everything out the window instead of, you know, having a second sale or something like that. Hmm. That actually brings up. So let's talk production then, because I have a similar thing that happened, but it was at the end of my of having Cuffs Couture. So I had had, if any of you know Zulily, I had done, I had had a bit um an event with them that it was a fully branded event. Cause sometimes you can be a like, let's say they're doing like soccer moms. They have different products from different types of businesses, but I had a fully branded like Cuffs Couture has all of these styles for you. So you had to have, I think it was like a 2000, 2,500 piece minimum to be able to have a full branded event. I had all this press, like it was super, people knew about the brand. And so I went into production for that event specifically. I gave them the units I was going to make. I made several thousand of them. So my production guy, I think he hosed me on this. I think he did this on purpose to make more money. Mm. So I'd given a cut ticket that says this many units I want made per per style. This is what I want made. And then when we went to pick up the production, he had used all of the fabric we gave him. So usually you can give the fabric, they cut what they need and they give you back the fabric bolts. Well, he made... And let me tell you, cuffs, didn't, cuffs took up like 18 inches of fabric. So it was thousands of cuffs that he made yeah. me that I didn't I mean, they need. fit around your wrist, not your body, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> So many cups. I was like, oh my God. And he gave me a bill for all of them. And I was like, this is not the order I placed with you. And and truly, to be honest, like where you get stuck in production with that is like, I was like, no, I'm only taking the units that I ordered. This is all I'm paying you for. But now all my fabric is gone. And I was like, you keep the cuffs. So he had thousands of cuffs he kept. So it was a loss on both parts, you know? And um, and so that's actually. I think kismet, right? Because I sold on Zulily. We did that. It all went well. I had, and then eventually he like negotiated with me to get me the cuffs. He didn't want to sit on them. And that's when I found Mina. Cause I was like, oh my goodness, I have so many cuffs now, like out of the amount that I need for my wholesale orders. So that's rewind. When you said, <laughs> I think he hosed me, then it ended up you meeting me. And here we are four to 400th episode, 3 million de- downloads later if he had not quote unquote hosed you, you would not be here in this moment I know. So I should actually call him up and be like, thank you (laughs) for trying to bleep me. (laughs) 
So it worked out, but it was definitely a learning lesson. That's for sure. Yeah. And so then I'm sitting with thousands of units that as we tell you all, it's cash on the shelves, right? Like your money is tied up in product until it's sold. And so um, I had heard Mina, if you don't know our origin story, another podcaster who had worked with Mina, who I was listening to her podcast, had mentioned Mina and said, if she ever wanted to coach, she she could take an expertise that she has, which this podcaster said Mina was a um, could be an expert at Amazon because she was selling and doing so well on Amazon and she could coach on Amazon. And I was like, ah, I'm in this Facebook group for this podcast community. She's in there. So I reached out to Mina and I was like, hey, I've got thousands of pieces of my product and I hear you're an Amazon expert. Would that be the place that I could liquidate on Amazon? And at that point you had said, no, like it's to build a brand, not to liquidate. I think now mm-hmm. you see in hindsight, maybe was, you would have told yeah. me something different. In, in hindsight, I think I probably would have if you would have made enough money to hire somebody to do it. So yeah. you, the question wasn't, should I get rid of these thousands of um, units. cuffs, uh, units of cuffs? Um, it was more like, how do I get rid of this? <laughs> well, I was I'm over so it. done with the business. Yeah. I was so over <laughs> it. I bought these across the country and it was like, you know, I said that, you know, it wasn't a place to liquidate. It could be, but it's a place to build a business. So for example, she, if she had thousands, it wasn't because she didn't have so much inventory, but she would need to probably spend on ads. She would need to have somebody, you know, kind of get that momentum going. And this was more like the question was framed, like, how do I get rid of these immediately? You know, yeah, I just or it might have been liquidate. easier for her to like, like, yeah put them out on Facebook marketplace and be like 2000 cuffs for sale might be the better route with the but time. I ended up donating a bunch of them to the veterans in New Jersey. So they probably opened up that bag and were like, what? They probably these? loved it because they could give it to their wives and stuff yeah, for themselves, so. you know, when yeah. traveling or whatnot. I mean, when you're done, sometimes you're done. And I think yeah. how I was, because I was moving across the country, there's so many things happening that I was done, which mm-hmm. to be honest for everyone, like, sometimes it nags at you that you're done, but you kind of keep pushing it. And it did take having you to support me in that and like having community and having- But um, I I still think about those cuffs. I know you do. (laughs) And I try not to bring it up. (laughs) Because it's like money on the table. Because the cuffs. I'm like, because now you were, you know, just ahead of your time too. So now that we have more skills that I think about cash injections and things differently, I'm like, man, we could sell those cuffs that chocolate. (laughs) I've got six that I've saved over. Right. So if if Mina could do it all over again for Cuffs Couture, (laughs) you could make money off of it. Right. And so I think that's one of the things that I learned too. And that's with all of entrepreneurs. I think that we all could lean into the fact that we're really good at creatively making money. Mm-hmm. And that was something I did not learn about myself until further along that I was like, Hey, I'm actually really good at making money. And I always thought that I wasn't, I always thought that creativity was like, you know, um, not so much my superpower, but it was like, a distraction point in in a lot of ways. And I feel like now I think completely differently. I think that, you know, creativity has gotten me here and the ability to pivot. I always felt like people look at me and they think, why does she switch things that she's doing so often? And it made me feel, you know, like, I don't know, flighty, I guess. And now I think, well, look at where I am now and look at where you are. No, just kidding. <laughs> But I think that's what we teach. And that's very much what we teach business owners that are making under $100,000 a year Mm -hmm. is like the test and try phase. And even if you're making over, when you try something new, it's testing and trying. And business, I think, is understanding that. 
So I think that things that you and I, like we had to start over. I think the thing that I would keep doing for both of us is that you and I are willing to test and try. And we know that it takes money to make, to do some tests. Um, And then we know that like, okay, it might work or not. We're willing to fail. We're willing for it not to work out. And we know like, okay, like we're going to try this. We have, for me at least, because I know a lot of you know, I deal with scarcity issues. It's how much am I willing to lose is always sort of the thing. I I'm like, okay, if I could lose this amount of money and still be okay, still pay my bills, then I'm going to try it because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident that like, as long as it's like, I can't, if, as long as I can pay my mortgage or my rent or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Now, if it feels really risky to me, it might take me a bit longer to think about. So yeah that ability because even I still think about your soap company that you started. <laughs> oh God, that's dead and burned deep she in the ground. Me a lot of ashes. <laughs> I loved it. But let's, let's go over some things that we would, you know, con- like some concrete examples, like that we would actually, if we were to start over how, what would we do? So the first one was like, I, that one was really specific of the production. Of, well, I think that was know. I think that was just a good example of sharing with everybody how how mistakes are made. Yeah, and I think for everyone to know and to take away from what we've done, and I know you all have an experience yourself, is that mistakes happen, and you can mm-hmm. still be successful afterwards. Like you can go through an entire batch of something, and it could not be functional. You can go through something and end up having like more than you need. And then it's thinking through like, what do I do with this? So where Mina and I, actually both of us did a very similar thing. We were like, scrap it all. You were like mm-hmm. not taking the stuff back, even though now you're like, I, maybe I could have sold them like this. And mm-hmm. for me, I wasn't in the season or the place to be like, yes, let me keep pushing this. And so it's like, yeah. scrap it all as well. So I want everyone to see that that's okay. But if you mm-hmm. have the energy or the wherewithal or you want to do it, then figure out another alternative for it. And then maybe yeah. we would have figured out another alternative for it. Yeah, I think so for sure. But, you know, it also was that letting go that helped us make room for other things. Okay. You know? Let's talk about, I want to talk about sales because we both okay. did our sales in a very different way. Yeah. This is okay. also what brought us together. Because when we did our very, very first presentation together, which was actually called Multi-Stream Machine, which was this idea of multiple sales platforms and channels for the fashion industry, we brought on Mina as the Amazon expert. We brought on a direct-to-consumer expert. We brought on a wholesale expert. Did we have someone else in subscription boxes? It was social or media or something. Social media. Social media. Mm-hmm. So we did this entire panel on multiple revenue streams. And what brought us together is I was operating from the like wholesale. We had sales reps around the country and really truly the world because I had a Japanese sales rep. We had, I would do the trade shows like Coterie. I know some people do New York now, but I did like accessories, the show, magic, all those. Um, I would go do the trade shows and I also had a team that did it as well. And I hired a publicist and a style house. So I had a lot of output in a traditional way. And then how did you start with your sales and marketing? So a lot of it was Amazon. And then I kind of parlayed it into like bigger orders. So for example, I would say, Hey, I'm on Amazon. And I would show that to um, subscription boxes. So I would get orders, but we're not talking like 150. We're talking like 3000, you know? So it was much bigger um, as far as like orders that I would get for wholesale. And, um, and then I also did um, big box. So warm Walmart jet uh, when it was around and then Zulily. So that was where a lot of my sales came from was mostly Amazon and um, the rest was me testing and trying to see if it was places that I wanted to sell in. 
Happy holidays. Okay, don't think, Jocelyn, what are you talking about? It's still warm outside. I know, but guess what? We want to get you uber prepared for this holiday season because what we want is that you can get consistent sales, right? Have steady growth and keep growing your business beyond always having to offer a discount during the holiday season to drive sales. So if you want to get prepared while it's still warm outside, you can jump in and grab 101 content ideas beyond the holiday discount. And it is a bundle of content prompts, tools, hashtags, and templates. And it includes a three month calendar with things to say every single day from October to December. It is so helpful. So go out, enjoy the sunshine and feel uber prepared for the holiday season. When you grab yours now, just head to holidaycontentideas.com. So I think from a sales perspective, when I first started, I was pretty lucky to have found my bestseller pretty early on. So it was a material, it was a Celeste cuff and it was in gold and silver. And eventually I brought it out in black. I didn't reference it as my bestseller. I mean, I knew it was my bestseller. I knew I sold the most units of it. I knew every single order had it on. But I think the way that we teach now about your bestseller and scaling your bestseller, I think if I could do it over, I would do it like that. Because what happened is while the Celeste Cuff was in all of the orders and a lot of press came around it, it was in my lane sheets, I kept expanding. So I, I kept doing like fancier pieces, like more designed, more expensive pieces instead of really leaning into these like, the Celeste was a $25 cuff and some of them could be $60 cuffs. Um, they had big bows mm-hmm. on it, things like that. And then also my bow cuffs did really well. So that would be like a, um, it was a Charlotte cuff and that would be the second bestseller. And I saw it, I saw that I was selling them over and over and over. So maybe I would have stayed more focused on those instead of continuously developing new collections, new designs, because I was still in the fashion world. So I felt like I had to come up with new stuff all the time, but I probably mm-hmm. could have, try to get more press around the bestsellers instead of all the things. And I think if I could have then, if I did get on Amazon at that time, I would have started with my bestsellers. I think um, approaching bigger stores, taking that and saying, okay, look, like everything but water bought the Celeste's and this and that and the other, um, and then gone to a bigger store and said, look at this type of order that they're getting and leaned in with my bestsellers. So I think that would have been my big, if I could do it again with sales, I would have really felt more focused and put more of my energy and money and investment into the bestsellers versus making all the pieces. Yeah. I think a similar thing for me, my bestseller on Amazon is Animal Friends Baby Bottles. When I first started it, I felt really... um, The labels, baby bottle labels. Yeah. Baby bottle labels. Sorry. Um, And I felt really unsure about approaching people because in my mind, because I was the one who designed it. Remember, I was a graphic designer. I felt really not confident enough. So for example, if you were to deep dive, like how my mind goes, there's various animals, but the animals are out of category. (laughs) So in my mind, it had to be sea life is together, jungle animals together. Um, you know, but there's a penguin, there's a lion, there's a tiger, there is a fox, you know, and all these different things that I thought, oh my gosh, people are thinking this. They're thinking, why are these random animals together? You know, And I was not listening to the feedback of the customers that they loved it, right? They didn't care that they were random animals. They cared that they were the popular animals waving hello at their, you know, at the kids because they're all kind of waving. And um, I, I think two, some of them are waving. But I remember one of the feedbacks for the dad was that the kid would always choose that particular label. And he would be like, look, he's waving at me, you know? 
And so that was where I got that wave thing. I was like, oh, that's cool. He realized that I was having the wave at him. And, but I always had that hold me back in a lot of ways. I think that going back, I would have really just not cared as much and, and approach stores and been like, Hey, this is the best seller. People love it. They love that. You know, these animals are waving, but in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, this wholesaler is going to say, why are these animals random? And you know, (laughs) you know how you get so crazy up in your own brain. Yeah. And I, yeah. And you tell yourself these stories and it's simply not true because the sales backed up the animal friends. And so I think that if I had to go back, it would be feeling more confident in my bestsellers to really push those without having my own thoughts get in the way. You know, like I shouldn't be in my customer's wallet. I shouldn't be in their, you know, brain of thinking either. They are the ones who are buying it and they love it. So Mm. I think that's like going back. I think that held me back a lot. Mm, That's really good. So I think that for me, what was in flow was when I first started my experience as a fashion designer and working for a smaller, like mom and pop, when I say smaller, they were still, one of the companies I worked for was like 25 million a year, but the business owners were still the original owners. And I was able to be a part of a lot of things that I wouldn't have necessarily been if I worked for Gap or like a bigger company. So I was able to do the trade show. So I would sit in the booth, I'd listen to the feedback of the buyers and I would like understand what my designs meant and how they converted. And I will say that I've always had a really good pulse on what the consumer wants. I did this when I was in college every year that we had our runway show. Like we worked with big designers. Like I worked with um, Bob Mackie. We worked with uh, Diane von Furstenberg, um, Tony Sarn of Ghost, like really big, actually P. P. Diddy would like, what was his brand called? Um, P. Diddy used to have a brand. Um. Anyways. He used to always uh, also be Puff Daddy. I have no idea. Puff Daddy, whatever Puff Daddy's brand was back in the <laughs> early 2000s. So we got to work with like really big designers. Like they came in and worked with us. And I, oh, Billabong. I did the Billabong collection. Mm. So for Billabong and, oh, Trina Turk. So I won all the top awards, the most voted, the most liked for Trina Turk's, um, the runway show for that, for Billabong, which is a huge brand, um, for Tanya Sarn, which not a lot of people know, but she's a designer from um, England. And also I did the... Mattel project with Bob Mackie. So, because it was Mattel, like AKA Barbie, we designed Barbie outfits. So I had this really good, like when I did the show, it wasn't like avant-garde design that people were like, oh, that's really cool, but I couldn't wear it. I always was able to kind of connect what the consumer would want, likable, but fashion forward enough. And so I think going into my business, I had that. And so when I was able to be at market and know what the buyers wanted, I was able to quickly see like, okay, this is what they need. This is what they want. This is what they're attracted to. Let's do more of that, which ultimately is the best seller without realizing that's what I was doing. So when I started and I was thinking about, I had my own brand at that point, it was like, we needed trade show. We needed showrooms. So a showroom has a sales rep that's a part of it. They have their connections. This is pre-fair and bulletin. And you pay like $1,000 a month plus like 15% commission. And you have multiple showrooms around the country or the world. I tried to get into showrooms and I got, I was in like three different showrooms that didn't do well. My New York showroom never responded. I was like, I swear they're just taking money and having my stuff sit on a shelf. And then eventually I went showroom to showroom in the buildings in LA and I found the agency showroom, which they still exist. And she was so good because she was like a consultant 
like I kind of felt like I was getting in trouble with mom in a way because it was like she was so specific of what she wanted from you, but she also built Bandeau. So if you see Bandeau to what it is, Bandeau was in the same showroom. So she knew what buyers wanted. She had really strong boundaries and um, really helped me build the collections and think about what they needed. So I love that. What I saw though, was that I was disconnected from the sale and I was disconnected from what the buyer wanted and they did well for a time. And then eventually showrooms go where the money is. So if Bandeau was selling a million dollars a month and I was selling $10,000 a month or something, who knows what I was at with them, um, then they're going to go where the million dollars a month is. So eventually I took the collection back and I said, I'm just going to rep myself. And I went to the trade shows and when they would go to a trade show and then they didn't book a single store, I was like, what is happening? How can you go to a trade show? I pay $5,000. We know thousands of people are walking through and you don't come back with a single order. So that's when I took my business back by like the reins and I started doing the trade shows and I would close 30 to 50 stores in two to three days because that was, it was my business. I knew how to sell. I knew how to be forward. I knew how to present the brand like in the, in the booth and I did it, you know, and that was where I was like, okay, at some point, I think you have to cut off. I maybe would have cut that quicker, like learned, but not taking it as like, I don't have a viable product, but that they're no longer on top of my product. And so it's time for me to take it back. And if I took it back sooner, it would have been less money out and wasted, I think, um, for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you probably would have stayed connected with your customer a bit more. You yeah. know, I think that one of my mistakes, because I love the trade show life too, and I learned so much. Um, and this is more direct to customer versus um, B2B. So, but I learned the trade show life from, from um, I used to have this clothing brand, believe it or not, um, but it was like embroidered um, scrapbooking uh, pullovers and t-shirts and that sort of thing. And I would sell them at scrapbooking um, trade shows. That's where I get my trade show life from. And it was so much fun and so exhausting. And it was direct to customer scrapbookers. So for all of you that were in the scrapbooking world, you knew it, you know, it was lucrative. I mean, Hobby Lobby, everything that they, you know, change over sections in their business. So I think that I learned that skill set from there, but I wish that during that time, and that's actually what helped me get the, um, that event that I would do with 300, people. And then that helped me start low labels because remember I said the bad reviews were coming from the people I met from the scrapbooking world. They were people that, um, that essentially would attend my event and they knew me directly. I had an email list and everything. I wish that I would have transferred that list over to low labels somehow, Hmm. but it was like, I had stopped doing those events and I just was like, see you later, you know? you're off into the world. Goodbye. I didn't connect the two, you know? And I think that if I were to go back, if I were to start over, I would have kept those same people because they already had, they were bought into more than the product. They were bought into me. And so I could have probably given them anything and they could, they would have come over. Like I could have used them for word of mouth. I could have used them for, Hey, I'm at a trade show, or I could have used them for, when I say use them, I just mean like using the the connection, not in a bad way. I'm just meaning like keeping that connection strong. But I think that I was just like, Hey, I am done with doing the events that was over there and this is over here. And that Mm -hmm. is just not true. A lot of times what you're selling is much more than the product. So if you've already gained their trust and everything, you do have a real bond with them because I, I really did enjoy all of them. You know, it wasn't like I was had like a fake relationship with them. I knew them actually 
in person, like face to face. It was just that I did not think about that in-person connection. I didn't think about that. You know, I kept thinking that connection is over here for scrapbooking, but it's not over here for low labels. You know, I did start with, Hey, I told them one time, Hey, I'm on Amazon for these labels. And they told me, and they bought the labels and they told me that adhesive is wrong. I never followed up with them to let them know it was fixed. I never kept in contact with them. I think that I could have really done a better job about keeping connected to my core of customers from the very beginning because they were the ones who bought into it the first time. You know, when was, um, how fast did you hire? Like how quickly did you move into getting help? Not fast at all. I mean, it was pretty much just me and, I would even be the one stuffing the labels. Like I did everything, you know? And so I think probably maybe a year and a half later where I hired um, contractors to help me stuff the labels. Would you you have done it sooner if you could do it again or was it the right amount of time? Um, I think it was the right amount of time because I was able to figure out like how much I was going to pay that person, how efficient I could be. I was really close to learning about things quicker, you know, like I could do them. And then I was like, okay, now I can pass them off and it would feel better in a way. Um, So I don't think I would have hired sooner. I think that the thing that I would have done sooner is I would have partnered up with people sooner Mm -hmm. to do photos and video because, you know, back then I think I was pretty cute into the visual presence. I just could not do it by myself where I, I didn't do it. So I think that if I would have done collaborations or partnerships with people, sent them the items and they were in tune to photos and videos, it could have been a whole nother world of, you know, content that I would have had perhaps even on Instagram when it was really big, you know? So I think that that's what I would do sooner is gotten really cute on my phone, fo- cute in on my photos and, you know, what were my best sellers? And then they would give me the content And then if I had built my email list sooner, I could have emailed out all those people of, you know, feeling like I had more content to send them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so when I started, I had my team for my consulting business. And so they definitely helped me like run around for production. I never sewed my own stuff because I was very much in like the manufacturing world and set in LA, but, um, I would cut, I would, cut my pieces. Cause like I said, it was 18 inches of fabric. It was like a rectangle. I could do the cutting myself when it was still smaller. Um, I did not pay my mom or my sister, but they were the first people like my sister stuffed. Same thing. I had lip and seal, um, plastic envelopes. They were on cards. We inserted them. My mom would sew on, like I had a little, um, metal charm that my mm-hmm. mom would sew on. Like she'd hand stitch them for me. <laughs> thank you, mom. And thank you, my sister, um, for helping me with all that and not getting paid. But I think, you know, in terms of hiring, same thing. I, I did because I had access and I was in the fashion world. I right away did beautiful photo shoots. So like I'd hire models. They weren't really, really expensive, but I'd hire models. I had in the building, I had a friend who was a photographer. I'd pay him. It was low budget, but we did really cool branded photo shoots. I even did this one with like on the roof of our building in um, downtown LA. We photoshopped over flames, but she was holding a gas can. It was like, burn your bags. So it's like this cute like fashion campaign where she was like burning a bunch of handbags and or like cutting a handbag with scissors with wearing a cuff. So I think creatively, I always kind of had that marketing advertising type arm and I paid for the photos. I think photos were so, so important to how else would I have gotten Carrie Underwood to wear my stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no way, like if it was janky or it didn't have beautiful photos that they were gonna, that people would even take that 
leap. I mean, I was in People magazine, you know, celebrities were wearing it. And and it was because aesthetically, I I I I invested in that up front. Um, people will probably ask us if we're bootstrapped or not. We were both completely bootstrapped. We yeah. both funded our businesses ourselves. We didn't take any outside money. And I told people recently that it was $20,000 that I started my business with. And someone's like, if I had $20,000, that'd be amazing. It wasn't 20K in cash. Like I didn't, like I had credit cards. I have a line of credit. Like I just believed in the business enough that I was like, okay, I'm going to call in favors. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, ask for things. I'm going to pay people for things. And then I cross my fingers. I make this money back to get me back to zero. So I don't regret that at all because I took enough action to make it happen. So yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you talk about hiring, I think people get stuck there because they're like, Ooh, I want to hire, but I can't, I'm scared to hire. People are dependent on me. But even when I think about hiring, you know, the way that we describe it to the people that are in our accelerator program is you're really just mastering the art of delegation, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's like you, you understand about you not having to do it all. It's not so much that you're hiring on this full-time person. It's not that jump there. You know, with me and with Jacqueline, we had family members helping first. We had contractors. We knew how to, you know, pay them per piece. We knew how to, you know, bring them on. And it always starts with that. So it can function any way that you want it to be. But I think that that skill set of having delegation, whether it be like having things automated or having them outsourced, you know, because when you think about it, I outsource a lot of things to Amazon, right? Because they were fulfilling for me, shipping for me, and it selling really for fit, you. Yeah, um, fit into my life, you know, yeah. because it was such a hard season with two get two kids, figuring that out, and I invested in courses to help me figure out Amazon. Even though, even though I was already on there and you know making it happen i knew that i could only improve what i was doing so i invested in courses i invested in you know learning on my own whatever i could get my hands on that was my form of learning about amazon so it wasn't like i was in i think that that's one of the things that i did really well i always knew that i could shortcut my time really quickly by not feeling like um that I had to learn it on my own or I could do it through Google or YouTube or, or whatever. Um, and and I was already doing well on there. So a lot of times people will be like, well, I'm already on there. I'm already doing stuff on there. You know, it, I, I felt like I was taking action on my own learning and um, able to reinvest into myself quite often because of that. I mean, I really, I learned so much of like what, I was able to take those trainings in, those courses and things like that, but really fil- put it through my own filter, which I was naturally good at design, aesthetics, you know, visuals, marketing, psychology, all those things. It was just the other part that I was like, I could probably tweak a few things and do a lot better in a small amount of time. And I think that that was one of the things that, that I did do well, even though I'm, you know, looking back, I was like, oh, I probably could have, you know done better on starting with video sooner or starting with, you know, um, videos and photos from it's the lifestyle photos that I'm talking about where I was good at the other type of photos, you know, the studio product photos. It was the lifestyle photos that I was not great at, you know? Um, I just threw away the white box, the like lighting box that I had for cuffs. Like I had one of those like photo shoot boxes. I bought myself a camera. We could have given that away in the giveaway. It's from like the year 2007. (laughs) So we've updated photos since then. 
Side note. Like everybody's like, um, I don't want to enter this giveaway for this 2007. <laughs> You're giving me a dusty <laughs> box. <laughs> but I say that because same thing, right? Like I'd come out with product and I needed to do like my product shots on white for the line sheets and things like that. And I would take my own pictures. Oh my goodness. Would I spend so many hours on Photoshop trying to like cut out the background and change the color and make them look better. So I think I would have hired for that quicker because that was not my level of expertise, even though I could take the pictures, but then like exactly what you said, but then my, I, for the editorial side, I was really good at that, like fashion campaigns and stuff. So I think like in conclusion to this, I I think I want to share just things that I'm like really that. I maybe would have done differently if I could start over and then the things I think just went right. And then I'd love for you to share. So I think the things that I would have done differently is I would have found community faster, but it didn't exist. So when I started my business in 2007, there wasn't online courses specifically for what I was doing, right? There was barely coaches out there. I was a consultant. I was one of my very, one of the very first that landed in the fashion industry, right? So I think, but then in, I was like 10 years into my business. And that's when I finally found a coach. I found a mastermind. I started getting into into digital courses. And now it was timing because back in my day, they didn't have it. But if I could have started over, if I could have resourced more education, I would have fast-tracked a lot of what I did, I think. So, and the community part, the feeling so alone, which again, wouldn't change anything because it's exactly what led us here. And that's why we created community for product people. It's because we didn't have that you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I would have done that. I would have resourced more resources. Um, I did work with experts, but I paid them. Right. So like my expert salesperson, because she was my sales rep, you know, I worked with the publicist. So I had a lot of money out to people who were really good at what they did in the time because social media wasn't the thing. Like I'm still learning how to like repost Carrie Underwood pictures on Instagram back then. And then I think, you know, other things I would have done differently would have been leaning into my bestsellers, like really, truly understanding the power of a bestseller and to go deep and not wide. The wide part, I got into athletic cuffs. I got into necklaces. I got into headbands. My showroom was pushing me to go into more and more accessories. But if I could have really just optimized my bestsellers, I wouldn't have spent so many and had so many different units. I did the same thing that so many of you had. I had hundreds of SKUs sitting in the back of my workshop that I was like, these are all just sitting here and I keep shipping out Celeste cuffs. So I didn't see that as clearly as I would have resourced more. Um, I would have had community. I would have leaned into my bestseller and I think that's it. And then the things I, you know, the things that I think I did right was all of it. Cause it, you know, it led me to hear like even shutting down cuffs was like, I met you, you know, even donating, I had too many things on my plate. So I think giving ourselves that grace and saying like seasons of life. And here's what I want to tell all of you, if you're on the fence of like, whether your business feels like it's working or not, even if you did shut down your business, right? It doesn't mean you can't reinvent yourself as an entrepreneur and create something different. Mina and I have had multiple things we've started and tried, and it led us to the product boss, which is bigger than our mind's literally could have ever wrapped around. Like we could have Mm -hmm. never imagined this life for us. And so I think that what I want all of you to know as entrepreneurs is we're, we're, we take risks. We're willing to do the hard things. We're willing to do things that people don't do. So even if the current concept or business that you have feels like it's no longer working for you, your business, your life, the world has changed. That's okay. Cause you can reinvent and start something new, no matter by the way, how old you are. So that's, that's how I want to wrap that. Yeah. I love that. I think that the things that I did well, 
for sure was getting onto Amazon. I think it suits me and my personality and also suits my family and my lifestyle and having like a small team. Second, I would say that I, I'm so talking about community. That was one of the things I did right, I feel like, was to wait on community. Um, I feel like I learned a lot on my own and with my family. And I was able to get really clear on where I wanted to end up. That when I finally found the community, I felt so encouraged by it, you know? And I think that suits my personality too, because you know, I was thinking when you were talking about like, would I, would one of my, my things that I wanted to do, because I always think I should have reached out locally or should have done this or should have done that. But I think it actually suits me that I like that I don't get recognized locally. I like that I've built this business and, you know, it doesn't, it, it, like I, one of my, I like to be private, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be known as, I don't want to be known as a labels lady in Ankeny, Iowa, I guess. So pre-pandemic, if you've been listening to this podcast, like way back (laughs) in the day, Mina, when she would go out, would wear a hoodie and like... I still, I mean... And then wear like dark glasses. And then when she could wear a mask, it was even better because people love her face so much. And I, because I always (laughs) always feel bad that I was like, ooh, people like, do I have to talk to them? And I would be like, ooh, with a mask on, I just walk across the other side of the sidewalk and they couldn't even, they don't even care now because it's like, oh, she's just thinking about my safety now. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, I like that because it's like, I like that I was able to build such a bond online with our community. And now I've become so comfortable that if I were to meet any of them in person, I would feel so good. I think the hard part for me is like, you know, being locally and thinking that I have to be forced to get to know these people that are only in my proximity and I have no idea or, you know, it just, that I think doesn't suit me. So I like the community. I like the encouragement. I like that I get to know people on the online level. So that was such a gift. I feel like that changed, you know, changed everything. And then I think that the things that I would change that I could, could have done better on is I think that even though I was on Amazon, I think I could have done really well in wholesale if I would have learned more about it because I started to get really, really good at it. And it was just like, I didn't understand it fully, you know? So like, if I would have known, you know, I think that's probably what held me back locally too, is that I could have gone to the local boutiques. I could have gone to the local Hy-Vee or Walgreens or, or whatever it is and um, seen like different things that would have given me the knowledge. I just didn't know where to start. So I think that because my price point is the way it is, I would have really thrived if I would have added a wholesale arm, you know? So wholesale would be you know, something that I probably could have uh, dove into more. The other thing too, is I probably could have jumped into Instagram sooner because I was on there personally and I enjoyed it as a user, but I never really jumped into it beyond that. Now, I always talk about how I didn't necessarily need it and I don't necessarily need it, but going back, I could have probably utilized it a lot better. You know, I, I just didn't have the foresight as a business owner to be like, ooh, you know what? If you spend your time here, then it would probably be great. And then you can circle back to it once you've grown up your audience or whatever. Or, um, you know, it was just the timing of things that, you know, I didn't end up needing it. So this is just kind of me pulling this out, but of the timing of things. Because right now we're starting to see different things start to be more relevant, right? Like Amazon is different now than it used to be before. Wholesale is different now than it used to be before. So really being 
in tune to what those things are, I think that I could have probably dialed it in a little bit better. I agree. I actually think I, if I had to start over being an early adapter to mm-hmm. more or an early adopter and adapter, I don't know, um, to more things, but I, I get it that like when you're in it and your head is down and you're trying to build a business, it's almost overwhelming. Like I remember trying to figure out Instagram and how to like use hashtags. Like it was hard, right? Like, and I mean, we were in our thirties back then, um, where mm-hmm. we were like way more less like, what is this? internet sort of situation which now we're like what is this tiktok (laughs) the kids are on yeah but i was one of out of my personal friends i was one of the first ones on On instagram so i had already you know jumped that learning curve i did not jump the learning curve for being a business owner on correct and i think that's something you and i did during the pandemic when um people aren't even on it anymore at least i don't think they are uh the talking clubhouse 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 the talking one. So Clubhouse made sense in the time and you and I kind of like, we jumped in there and we thought, how do we use this for business? And I think that comes with more space to be strategic, like more, mm-hmm. you know, like you're not in in it, like the making and the doing all the things. Like when all of you get to have a little bit more space, you're able to understand delegation and like you can lean more into being the boss of your business versus the doer of everything in your business. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what I'm coming to really is like, if, if I were to go back, and start over, I would have picked a place to engage. Mm. So for example, right now, you know, whether it's like Instagram or it's TikTok or it is like for um, us, it's our podcast. Like we're very, this is our very consistent here. But you know, other people was like Facebook groups, let's say, or it could be in-person trade shows or, you know, like where's the place that you're going to engage on top of the place that you're going to sell. And I think that that's where I missed a big gap was I picked, I didn't pick a place to engage. I didn't even pick a place and not even email, which I think that going back, I probably would have picked email because I was really good at email, you know, and, um, and Instagram probably, but I would have picked a place to engage for like, even like working up the visibility, getting to know my customer. And I had simply picked a place to sell, which was Amazon, even though now it worked out really, really well. Um, but going back, yeah, I think that would have helped of that engagement piece. And I paid for visibility, right? So I paid mm-hmm. for publicists. I paid for brand placement. I paid to be in a, in a, um, style house, which is the kind of place that like they go and pull clothes for like celebrities to do their music videos or go on the music awards or whatever. So I paid for that. But I think same thing though, emails. I did not Mm -hmm. know how to optimize the press I was having other than the idea of like, here's some press and I hope I make sales versus like, how do I... I think I would have picked something else for you. So mine would have been emails, but I think that I'm going to pick what you should start over Tell me what I should have started over with. So partnerships, because collabs and that sort of thing, I think you would have been really good at it had you... (laughs) I'm going to tell you what you could have done better. I mean, I'm here for the coaching. So, (laughs) so the collaborations, so it probably wasn't Instagram because social, you know, this big learning curve, but you probably could have used Instagram to build up influencers, collaborations, affiliates, that sort of thing. And I think that would have done well because of your celebrity of your cuffs, but it was so new. I don't even think influencers were of a thing then. I mean, this is like, we're talking like pre 2010 even, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think, but yes, I think collaborations, I think even if we did something with Van Doe at that point, but I didn't have that confidence to say, Hey, I've got this cool idea. You want to do something together. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But but I'm going to go back to emails because emails are equity, right? Like you said, like from your from your um, scrapbooking, you they were mm-hmm. still moms. They could have still used your product. You would have brought it over. And I'd say the same thing from my retail stores that I was selling to, as well as all of the thousands of orders I got from direct to consumers. If I had actually utilized that, I did not do the email marketing. So. Yeah. I, think I did not cool- think of it even as assets. Did you know that I almost was able to sell it? It was my own downfall, my own thing that kept me back from it. So there was this woman that was like, hey, do you want to meet? I know you're stopping. Um, it was called Get Inspired um, Scrapbooking Expo. And she's like, do you want to meet? Because then maybe I can take over, blah, blah, blah. I had built that thing to seven years of a sold out event, 300 spots. They They paid 50 bucks. I had all these vendors. Um, I had the local, like Jasper Winery would come, they would sell their wine, you know, all these different things. I had built a system of this sold out event every year. And it was like, people would be come over every year. And just imagine that's um, 300 times 50, that's $15,000 made in one day. So, you know, you made that, you made that calculation in your head. So during that time when the girl was like, I wanted to take over, I was just like, oh, you know, um, I didn't give any sort of presentation. I wish that I would have at least sold it for like 2,500, 5,000, whatever, because she would have made her money back in one day. I'm um, telling you, my you costs were for under, like 50,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because um, my costs were all under $5,000, you know? So anyways, all that to say that, um, I could have sold it, did not. And I didn't think of it as assets even then, because I didn't think about the email list. I didn't think about, you know, that they had that connection for, with me. I could have brought that person on and kind of transferred them over all those things. But I just was like, okay, I'm done doing the event. See you later. Nothing was an asset, you know? And, yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. I mean, and I think that's a big, you know, a lot of women, we're not at the table with people who think about like your business is an asset or something that you've built could be sellable. I know in our system, your photos are an asset, your emails are an asset, the connection you make even on social media, even the name you created, right? If you own a trademark. Um, And that's something that I think even now in our mastermind, we're seeing people buy companies and sell their companies. I mean, it's pretty cool. And they're, and they're women and they're, making big moves. You and I have become investors. So here's to say that this entire journey has led us here to learning. And I think for all of you out there, if you, you know, we just, we wanted to share our story with you on our 400th episode, um, kind of going back to like where we million down three millionth and once, once, once (laughs) download. Whatever that number is, because it's also out of our <laughs> scope. Um, but you know, I think I think the thing is, is I want you all to just have the confidence that you're going in the right direction. You know, you're here, you're listening. If you've made it this far, um, you're investing your time into education and learning. You're looking for community. You're willing to pivot. You're willing to make changes, um, and you're willing to learn and grow. And and back when we were starting, there was no product boss podcast. We did not have people. Mm-hmm. We did not have virtual coaches or people to listen to or people that were aligned with us and like starting young families and having businesses and being women business owners and, and, you know, all that stuff. And so we're grateful. Um, I'm grateful to Biz Chicks and Natalie Ekdahl because that was the podcast we met through. And she was one of the first people that kind of like allowed for us to believe that we could hire out things mm-hmm. at home. We could hire out things at work. Like she really believed in that. Um, and that's one of our biggest takeaways learning from her. And the community we've built and we've learned from all of you and we've learned from the 
thousands of businesses that we've coached at this point. I mean, the information in our heads, it's, it's, I mean, we would have never been behind this many, the scenes of this many types of businesses, you know? And so I just want you all to be assured that you're on the right path. You're on the right journey and know that time, like hindsight's 2020 and mistakes are worth it because we learn from them and wins are, you know, come to the humble bragging table, but like share your wins and celebrate them because that's all the entire journey of us on our entrepreneurship, like road. Yeah. And I think it looks so different in each season that you're in. So as you start to move through the seasons, you know, even, even Jacqueline before and Jacqueline now, you know, Mina before and Mina now, you know, all the different people, I could say that for all of them, you know, Annika before and Annika now, Greg before Greg now, you know, it feels so different and it's so much fun to be able to move through it together. So it's like, it really is important for you to, you know, evolve and mature as like a business owner, as a human, I guess. And then the product is the product. The product will evolve. The brand will evolve. And that is something to really um, remember too, as you're moving forward, even, even your relationships with people, right? Like Jacqueline's relationship, our relationship. Now we can actually, I can put thoughts in her brain, you know? (laughs) Subliminal from Iowa to California. Yes. So you'll start to see that it's, you know, it is worth it, you know, with a, you know, people think it's like ups and downs. I, I, I was just thinking about business today and I think it's more like expansion, contraction, con- expansion, contraction. And that's really, you know, you know, it's what, interesting that you said that speaking hmm. of same brain. Oh, what? <laughs> Yesterday, um, I had my life coaching call and we were talking uh-huh. about money and my money scarcity. And she's like, I don't want to say this in a rude way, but did you know, this is how business works. Mm. <laughs> she goes, money comes in, you spend it to make products, to do whatever. Then you make sales and money comes in again and then you spend it. And she was like, and I, in my brain, I saw what you're saying, but in my brain, I saw ocean waves. I was like, the tide comes in, the tide goes out, the tide comes in. And I was like, okay, if I can just operate through life and understanding business, the flow of money, it will always come back and it will go backwards as I'm like investing, buying up stuff, you know, needing raw goods, all that stuff. There's spend. And then there's income and spend an income. Sometimes when we're starting, the income doesn't come as quickly as the spend, but that's part of business, right? And then you work and you pivot and you change, you get scrappy and figure out how to make that money back. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that was my visual for my own, my own brain is the wave. So congratulations, Mina. I do want to thank our podcast team at Nova Mm -hmm. for, you know, Mm -hmm putting together the whole new intro and their amazing editing and just helping us get this 400th episode out. And I also want to thank our team at the product boss. We have like 15 team members now. Like I can't wait until they hear the, the, I, team. the singing. So if we could just, you know, team, if you're listening, go ahead and get, put that clip everywhere. That would be so funny. <laughs> we also sing up in the club. <laughs> right. You want to sing so, us out of this one, Mina? No, 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 no. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, bye, bye. Is that good? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. But can you believe it? So we'll see you in the 500th episode, 600th episode, one gazillion. (laughs) See you next week. Yeah, 401. That's right. We don't need to. Our 401th episode. (laughs) Next steps first. (laughs) Baby steps, my friends, but you're on track. You're on the right place. So send us a message, send us a DM, show up on Instagram at the product boss. Let us know if like what you resonated here with, if you had to start over, share that with us. And please, again, thank you so much for listening. And if you subscribe, 
leave reviews and share this episode with others or share any of the episodes that resonate with you. Um, we are trying to impact as many businesses as we possibly can and help those people create the dream lives that they imagine using their business as that vehicle. Yep. There's room at the top for all of us. So all of us together. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you at the 401. 401. Hey, Mina. Quick question. How many times have you heard stories from product bosses that waited until the week before Black Friday to even think about their holiday promotion plans? More times than I can even count. Okay, well, not this year. Successful product bosses know that the key to seeing a snowball of sales throughout the holidays is preparing their promotions now. And that's exactly what we're going to do together during our five-day challenge that kicks off September 12th. But have you ever wondered if a free training is really worth it? We're not judging here, I swear. We know it's so much information out there that it's hard to know what's actually going to move the needle in your business. But here's the thing. The Rock Your Holidays Promotions Challenge is 100% worth your time and energy because it actually creates results in your business. And that's not us just with like humble bragging. It's true from our previous challenge participants who have shown up, gone through the actions and have seen some big payoffs, literally like Ashley of Ever After Baby. Ashley said planning ahead for the holidays for Rock Your Holiday Promotions has helped change how she plans promotions all year long. Wow. And when she first joined the Rock Your Holidays Challenge, she felt like she never knew how to go about setting up her promotions for the holiday season. So she attended the challenge, went through each day's training, and implemented the action steps. Not only did she get her promotions organized by the end of the challenge, she actually tripled her sales from the previous holiday season using what she learned inside the challenge. She then went on to join Multistream Machine, got her bestsellers onto Amazon, and grew her revenue even more while growing her Facebook following 10 times and her email list by four times. Amazing. Okay, so you must be thinking, what does this have to do with you, friend? Well, it's just a preview of what you can do in just five days when you participate in the Rock Your Holiday Promotions Challenge. Okay, so we start on Monday, September 12th. It is totally free and you can sign up at rockyourholidaypromotions.com or just click the link in the show notes and we'll see you inside. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.